2: You can interact with us via social media on our Facebook page at I Love Old Time Radio. Send feedback via the contact form on our website at com. If you enjoy this program, please consider subscribing to our podcast for just $5 a month at com forward slash support.
3: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
2: I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday, each day with a different theme. Tuesdays, it's the precursor to the I Love Lucy show, starring Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. This episode originally aired on January twenty-eighth. This episode originally aired on February 4th, 1949, and it's called Speech for Civic Organization.
4: It's time for my favorite husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L Oh,
5: the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca puddings. Yes, sir.
4: And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers tonight, they've settled down for a quiet evening at home. Liz has discovered an intelligence quiz in a magazine, but she's having trouble getting George's attention because he is lost in a gripping, blood-curdling murder mystery.
3: George, George, oh! Hey, on. Bang, bang, bang!
5: <laughs> they
1: got me, Liz.
3: Oh, stop clutching your heart. Nobody shot you.
1: Oh. Oh, what's the big idea?
3: Well, now maybe you'll listen to me. Look, there's a quiz in this magazine we should take.
1: Oh, wait a a few minutes. I'm almost finished with this murder mystery.
3: Put it down, George. I'll tell you who committed the murder. Don't tell me! But it'll save time. Liz! All the time I thought it was the gardener, and then it turned out to be... Now stop that, Liz! All right, I won't tell you. Thank you. I bet you don't even suspect the butler.
1: Did the butler do it?
3: As long as you ask me, yes.
5: <laughs>
3: well, you didn't have to throw the book in the fireplace.
1: Oh, what's the difference? You ruined it for me.
3: I wonder how they got that title, the man with the square eyeballs.
1: I don't know. It's if that book wasn't the man with the square eyeballs. Oh, it wasn't? No, that was the mommy's tummy. <laughs> Did the butler commit that murder, too?
3: I don't know. I didn't read that one.
1: Oh, fine. And how'd you know there was a butler?
3: There always is. Well, now that you don't have anything to read, George, let's take the family quiz, huh? What's that? Well, every month they have a quiz in this magazine with questions for every member of the family, father, mother, brother, and little sister.
1: Well, that lets me out. They don't have any for Grandpa.
3: <laughs> come on, George. I'll ask you the father question. All right. Here's your first question. Uh... What is the name for the chemical formula H2SO4?
1: H2SO4. Mm Mm-hmm. Gee, I had that in chemistry class. Shall I tell you? No, no. H2SO4. I I have it right on the end of my tongue.
3: Well, spit it out. It's sulfuric acid.
1: (laughs) Oh, I knew it all the time.
3: Oh, sure. Well, that's one question wrong. The next question is, um... What does it say on the lid of a United States mailbox?
1: No, that's easy. United States mail. No. Last pickup five minutes ago? (laughs) No. All right. What does it say on the lid? It says,
3: pull down. (laughs) Oh,
1: well, that's not fair.
3: You got one more, Father. Uh, For what was Ma Ferguson noted?
1: Ma Ferguson? I ought to know that. Oh, I give up. What was Ma Ferguson noted for?
3: Carved legs in a cane seat. <laughs> what? That's the answer to another question. Sorry. Uh, here it is. Ma Ferguson was the first woman governor of Texas. You aren't very smart, are you?
1: Hmm. Well, you're pretty clever with all the answers in front of you. Give me that magazine and I'll ask you some questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, first question. What is the poop deck of a ship?
3: You don't think I know that, do you? Mm. That is the deck where the sailors rest when they're pooped.
1: (laughs) No, Liz. It's a raised deck on the stern of the vessel.
3: I like my answer better.
1: (laughs) Well, never mind. Now, question two. Does sound travel faster or slower in water than it does in air?
3: That's a very good question.
1: Well? Next question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Chicle is the main ingredient of chewing gum. Where is the largest deposit located?
3: Under theater seats.
5: (laughs) Oh, you're
1: doing great.
3: Well, I guess the questions for mother are just too hard for me. Try me on the ones for little sister.
1: I just did.
5: Oh.
3: (laughs) Uh, you know something? Hmm. We're stupid and we ought to do something about it.
1: I'll get a gun. Two bullets, one for each of us. It'll be better that way.
3: Oh, now stop that, George. I was never more serious. Dr. Gilfoyle, who made up this quiz, says if your score is under 50, you should improve yourself.
1: Hmm. Well, what was our score?
3: Minus five.
1: I'll go get the gun.
3: George! You may be contented to live in the mental rut, but I'm not. I want to make you proud of me.
1: I don't want to be proud of you. I want you just the way you are.
3: Oh! <laughs> well, what's the matter? You don't have to be so obvious. You think I'm beautiful, but dumb.
1: I do not. I didn't say you were beautiful.
3: <laughs>
5: oh,
1: I don't know what I mean.
3: I'm going to send for Dr. Gilfoyle's book on how to improve yourself.
1: Oh, forget it, Liz. That's just a racket. They write a hard quiz just so they can sell a book.
3: Is that so? Sure. Well, look at the people who recommend this book. Truman and Goldwyn.
1: Oh, yeah? Uh, what are their first names?
3: Harry and Sam.
1: Harry Truman and Sam Goldwyn? No, Sam Truman and Harry Goldwyn.
3: <laughs> I
1: might have known. Well, just forget Dr. Gilfoyle and his book, Liz.
3: Are you satisfied to stay stupid?
1: Uh... (laughs) Duh. Yep! Oh, George. (laughs)
5: Mrs.
3: Cooper, you've had your nose in that book all day. What's so fascinating? Oh, it's a wonderful book called Improve Yourself by Dr. Guilfoyle. Oh, my first husband, Clarence, used to read that book. Listen to this. The human mind is like a delicate flower. Clarence oh, must have read that part. He was always potted. <laughs> okay. Now, Doctor Gilfoyle has three wonderful rules to help you impress people and make them think you're well informed. What are they? Learn ten new words a day. Be a good listener, and have one subject down cold so you can always steer the conversation around to it. You know that makes sense. I've learned my ten new words for today, and I put them in a sentence. What is it? By assiduous application, I have promulgated a plethora of altruistic ubiquity and lugubrious perspicacity. (laughs) I hope you're not going to say that in mixed company. Oh, Katie, you're so perspicacity. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Hello.
1: Hello, Liz. What's new?
3: Well, dear. By assiduous application, I have promulgated a plethora of altruistic ubiquity and the goobrious perspicacity.
1: Uh, sorry, wrong number. Oh, no,
5: George, <laughs> wait
3: a minute. It's me.
1: You? Sure. What's with all these big words?
3: Oh, I just thought I'd improve my vocabulary as sort of a hobby. You know, an avocado.
1: That's avocation. Oh.
3: Well, um, what'd you call me about, dear?
1: Well, I, I just want to know if it's all right to bring someone home to dinner.
3: Why, certainly. How important is he, George? Sirloin, T-bone, meatloaf, or hash?
1: Strictly sirloin. Okay. His name is uh, Barton, and and he's in charge of those new open foreign meetings in the uh, auditorium every week.
3: What do you want from him, free tickets?
1: No. No, if, if I can get him to choose me as one of the speakers on the first meeting, it'll impress Mr. Atterbury, and I might get a raise out of it.
3: Oh, George, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. I'll do everything I can to help. Good. He'll think you have the brightest, most educated, his cultured, wife in town.
1: Now, look, Liz, just be your own sweet, natural self. Don't go out on a limb and try to prove to him how bright you are.
3: Oh, don't worry, George. I'll surprise you. Is there anything else you'd like me to have tonight? Yes. What?
1: Well, see you later, dear Goodbye
3: Goodbye How do you like that? George wants me to keep quiet He's afraid I'll make a fool of myself Hmm Well, I'll show him Hand me that encyclopedia, Katie I'm gonna try Dr. Guilfoyle's system Of being well-informed on one subject And swinging the conversation around to it Here Uh, what subject are you gonna choose? Oh, I don't know yet Well, what did you study in college? Men. But that won't do. Oh, well, one subject is good as another. I'll just close my eyes, and whatever page I open to, that's my subject. There. The subject I'm going to study is... Oh, dear. Well, I said I'd do it, and I'm going through with it. What's the subject, Mrs. Cooper? Beekeeping.
4: George is bringing Mr. Barton home to dinner with an eye to being invited to be one of the speakers on his forum. Liz is all set to surprise them with her new three-point intellectual program. Use big words, be a good listener, and be well-prepared on one subject. In Liz's case, the subject is bees. Well, unaware of all this, George is innocently walking up to the door with Mr. Barton.
1: Well, this is our little house, uh, Mr. Barton. Yes, very nice, very nice. I'm anxious to meet your wife, Mr. Cooper. Oh, you'll like her. Liz is a swell
0: gal. <laughs> no brainstorm, but a real pal. Hey, good, good. It'll be refreshing to meet a woman who doesn't think she knows everything. Yeah, in the work I'm in, all I meet all day long are intellectual females. Oh, then you'll love Liz.
1: Liz, honey, we're here. Oh, good- Darling. This is Mr. Barton, Liz. My wife, Mr. Barton. Well, I've certainly been looking forward to meeting you, Mrs. Cooper.
3: The plethora is all mine.
1: Uh yes. Uh well, um, uh, what did you do today, Liz?
3: Oh, the usual hypothetical altruisms. <laughs>
1: Uh, Shall we uh, all uh, go into the living room? Yes, yes, that'll be very nice. Uh, uh, Lovely place you have here, Cooper. Oh, well, it really isn't much.
3: No, but it has a nice feeling of claustrophobia.
1: (laughs) Uh, Claustrophobia? Yes. How about a drink before dinner, Mr. Barton? Now, there's a fine idea.
3: Yes, George, get Mr. Barton a libation. Oh, and if you're hungry, there's a dish of unicorns on the table.
0: (laughs) Uh, thanks. I,
1: uh, I never touch them. The horns stick in my teeth.
5: <laughs>
1: oh, she's kidding. Great kidder, Liz. She's really just an old-fashioned girl. It Sounds like she's had too many old fashions. <laughs> Come on, Liz. Help me get Mr. Barton his libation.
3: Well, George, you certainly can carry one... Come tra- on. We'll be right back, Mr. Barton. Diversify yourself. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> didn't have to yank me off the floor, George.
1: What's the matter with you? What, what's with all those big words?
3: How do you like it? It's a new me.
1: Well, try to remember where you threw the old one and go get it.
3: <laughs> but, George, I, I'm just being intellectualistic.
1: Oh, is that what it is? Well, Barton doesn't like intellectualistic women. You, you're ruining my chances.
3: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Now, now, let's go back in and promise me no more big words.
3: I promise, George. Good. No more big words.
1: Yeah, now, come on. Here's your drink, Mr. Barton. Oh, thank you. Well, as long as you're about to start your forum programs, I think a toast is in order.
3: Oh, that's a wonderful idea. I'll propose it.
1: No big words.
3: Don't worry. Uh, Gentlemen, a toast. Here's to one of nature's greatest beings.
1: Well.
3: The Queen Bee.
1: I beg your pardon. I don't get the point, Liz.
3: Oh, that's just it. The poor queen bee goes through life without even a little stinger to protect herself.
1: Listen, you little stinger. <laughs> Haven't you forgotten something? Mr. Barton's forum.
3: Well, I'm forum, too.
5: <laughs>
3: you know, there's, there's nothing as fascinating as bees. Those little creatures have a society Oh, that is Liz, so-
1: why don't you go fix yourself a cyanide and soda? <laughs> Mr. Barton and I want to talk about other things.
3: We'll go right ahead, George.
1: Thank you. Uh, Mr. Barton, I understand your group is uh, going to sponsor a Shakespearean company this spring. Uh, that's right. If we can get the appropriation from the city council.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little reluctant, but I think we can egg them on.
3: Oh, speaking of that, Mr. Barton, did you know that the Queen Bee lays 3,000 eggs a day?
1: <laughs> Bully for the Queen Bee. <laughs> Now, uh, about this group of yours, I'm crazy about Shakespeare.
3: Oh, so am I. To be or not to be.
1: Oh. Uh, pardon us a moment, Mr. Barton. Liz, I'd like to see you in the hall.
3: Ow! Let go of my ear.
1: Now what? Where'd you get this crazy idea?
3: None of your beeswax.
1: What are you trying to do? You're acting like an
3: idiot. Not according to Dr. Gilfoil.
5: Oh,
1: Ah, so that's it. You bought the book after all.
3: I just wanted to make you proud of me, George. I thought after you saw how I'd improved We'll discuss it later.
1: Now behave yourself.
3: All right. I'll just listen attentively and agree with everything he says. Is that all right?
1: Yes. Now, come on. All right. Well, now, Mr. Barton, where were we? We were discussing the love life of the Queen Bee. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, tell us more of your plans
0: for the city. Well, uh, we want to make our city a cultural center. I see. And to do this, my office is a regular beehive... <laughs> of activity. In order to succeed, we need the support of every public-minded citizen.
3: Oh, Mr. Barton, you're so right. Uh, you think so? Well, I just can't tell you how much I agree with you. Really?
0: Well, that's very nice of you
3: It isn't a question of being nice Everything you said is exactly how I feel Only you put it so perfectly
0: Why, Mrs. Cooper, I had no idea you were so
1: well-versed on this subject Now, along the lines you were following, Mr. Please Now, what were you saying, Mrs. Cooper?
5: (laughs) Well,
3: I I was uh, merely waiting to hear more about your fascinating project
0: Yes. Uh, Well, in addition to the Shakespearean group, uh, we're going to agitate for playgrounds with uh, swimming pools, tennis courts, and free art lessons for the youngsters.
5: Oh,
3: you're so right.
0: Uh, Cooper, you didn't tell me your wife was such a stimulating conversationalist. Well, uh, I... uh, It's a pleasure to meet a woman who has something to say. Uh, Mrs. Cooper, I especially like your idea about free art lessons for the youngsters.
3: Oh, it was nothing. Oh,
0: no, it was a flash of inspiration. You're a very
1: clever woman.
3: Oh, you're so right.
1: <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, <clears throat> look, Mr. Barton, uh, that particular idea is, is one I've had for a long time. Now, why uh, can't why we... do you keep interrupting, Cooper? You're just making a pest of yourself.
3: Oh, you're so right.
0: As a matter of fact, Mrs. Cooper, I have a favor to ask of you. Our first forum meeting is this Saturday night. Uh, Will you do me the honor of being a speaker on the panel?
3: Why, Mr. Barton, you just know I will.
0: Oh, thank you. And with you on the stand, I have a feeling the evening will be one I'll never forget.
1: Oh, you're so right. (laughs)
4: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
3: George, you've done nothing but grumble for the past two days. Well,
1: I wonder why. I bring Barton home and he ends up asking you to appear on the forum.
3: You're just jealous. I am not. If your eyes get any greener, you can stuff them with pimentos.
1: <laughs> oh, Liz, be serious. You're not going through with this, are you?
3: Of course I am.
1: Well, do you know what the subject for discussion is?
3: Yes. The effect of jet propulsion and supersonic flight on the future of aviation. Well? Now, don't worry about me. I've been preparing for the forum all day.
1: Oh. Uh, by studying aviation? By buying a new dress. But the audience will want to hear about planes and flying. You, you can't possibly hold their attention.
3: No? Wait till they see my new dress. <laughs> it's got a dive bomb neckline.
1: Now, uh, uh, why don't you let me take your place, Liz? I'm an expert on the subject.
3: George, you are not an expert on aviation just because you were assistant air raid warden on our block.
1: (laughs) That's not what I mean. You'll have to discuss aviation with Colonel Davis, one of the foremost authorities, in front of an audience. Now, you can't just sit there and say... Oh, you're so right. I know it. I've been in the public library all
3: afternoon studying up on it, and I have a little speech all memorized.
1: All right, let's hear it. I'll be Barton. Uh, Mrs. Cooper, what do you feel is the future of aviation since the inception of supersonic flight?
3: Mr. Barton, I'm glad you asked me that. Ladies and gentlemen, the first successful airplane was built by Wilbur and Orville Wright.
1: Now there's a scoop.
3: Be quiet. Wilbur was born in Millville, Indiana in 1867, and Orville was born in Dayton, Ohio in 1871.
1: That should have the audience on their feet cheering. Now, Liz, you're not really going to talk about the Wright brothers, are you? Certainly. Well, But what have they got to do with the subject?
3: Well, if they hadn't invented the plane, it'd be a lot harder to fly these days. (laughs) Those boys would be up there hanging on to nothing but a hot jet.
1: I give up.
0: Gentlemen, the town forum will please come to order. Uh, there's been a slight change in tonight's program. Colonel Davis, our jet plane expert, will not be with us. Uh, he started here from Los Angeles, but he got slightly mixed up in a snowstorm and has just cabled us from Bombay, India. <laughs> uh, in Colonel Davis's place, we have that famous authority on Alaska, Mr. Scott Campbell. Now, uh, this of course will change our subject for tonight's discussion to Alaska. Oh, brother! <laughs> What's that, Mrs. Cooper?
3: Uh, relative in the audience. Hello, brother.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, uh, on with the forum, and let's see if we can't get a little heated discussion underway. We all know how Mr. Campbell feels on tonight's subject. And uh, Mrs. Cooper, how do you feel?
3: I don't feel so good.
0: Oh, come, Mrs. Cooper, start the ball rolling.
3: All right. Mr. Barton, Mr. Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Um, in my opinion, um, uh, the the way I feel about this subject is, um, Wilbur and Orville Wright built the first (laughs) successful airplane. Wilbur was born in Millville, Indiana.
0: (laughs) Mrs. Cooper, Mrs. Cooper, pardon me. I think you're still on the old subject.
3: Oh, you're so right.
0: Uh, The subject is Alaska. Will you continue?
3: You want me to continue? Yes. Uh, While Orville was born in Dayton, Ohio. No, No,
0: no. When are you going to get to Alaska?
3: Let me get the plane invented and I'll fly up there.
0: I shouldn't have asked a woman up here. Mrs. Cooper, would it be possible for you to continue without
3: mentioning your friends, the Wright brothers? It certainly would. Friends of Alaska, we must remember that the queen bee lays 3,000 eggs a day. I knew
0: it. Here, Mr. Campbell, take over. Uh, yes, thank you. There are 72,000 people living in Alaska, and 20,000 of these are children. What about their education, their future? Who is responsible for these children, Mrs. Cooper?
3: Do you really want me to answer that?
0: You wouldn't
3: dare.
0: (laughs) Who is responsible for these children, Mrs. Cooper?
5: Wilbur and Orville Wright. (laughs)
1: Hmm? What's that noise? What noise? Liz, it's four o'clock in the morning. Are you eating crackers in bed?
3: Certainly not.
1: (laughs) Oh, no? Let's hear you whistle. (laughs) I thought so.
3: Well, I was awfully hungry, so I got up and got a snack. What's wrong with that?
1: Give me those crackers, Liz. No! No! Give me those crackers. Oh, now you got
3: them all over the bed. You're mean. Now,
1: there. Now, go to sleep. Mm. Liz?
3: What's the matter now?
1: Give me that apple. No. Give me that apple. Oh. Now, go to sleep.
3: Are you
5: eating
1: again?
3: I'm not making any noise
1: What are you eating?
3: I'm not making any noise Now leave me alone
1: Give it to me, Liz No I'll take it away from you You be sorry Give me that <gasps> What was that? A glass of cold
3: milk Good night, George <laughs>
4: You have been listening to My Favorite Husband starring Lucille Ball with Richard Danning and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie the Maid was played by Ruth Parrott. Lucille Ball will soon be seen in the Paramount picture Sorrowful Jones. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband next week. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Welcome back. You know, I'm not a big fan of those types of people that they think they know everything about any subject. When in reality, they're just regurgitating what they read someone else say. They don't really generate any thoughts on their own. Tomorrow, we join Private Eye, George Valentine, in Let George Do It, and join us again next Tuesday for a new episode of My Favorite Husband. For iloveoldtimeradio.com, this is Virtual Vinny, signing off.